Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. Whether you're betting on a basketball game, or the Golden Globes, or The Bachelor, or the Oscars. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Bet Online has hundreds of props with real-time odds and almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. <laughs> what's up everybody welcome to a brand new episode of the believe in clippers podcast here on the believe podcast network jesse cass here with you as we have a great show for you this week andrew greif of the la times covers the clippers he's been on the show a couple times before he's back to break down some of the early season talk for the clippers so a really fun conversation coming up Uh, alex acker will be back next week where we have another set of great guests so uh, good things to come here on the Believe Podcast Network. Know that if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple and or available wherever else you get your podcasts and, of course, at Believe.com. But uh, for the Clippers, it's been an interesting stretch of games. It's been fun uh, with the caveat that we're hoping for health sooner rather than later. Of course, we talked last week about Paul George's injury. Patrick Beverly uh, has finally been getting back in the lineup. He had missed one game due to rest, but looks like he's back in fine form and ready to go and uh, you know Kawhi Leonard has missed now three consecutive games with a lower leg contusion so hopefully not too serious he was upgraded to questionable before the the game against the Jazz uh, yesterday uh, but he did not play so hopefully uh, he's back in action this weekend Uh, and with all that even with all that the Clippers rattling off wins you know finishing off that little mini road trip strong beating the Timberwolves and the Bulls coming back home really with ease beating the Cavs without their two key players in Leonard and George. And then against the Heat, maybe the best win of the year, missing again Leonard and George, this time also Beverly and Batum, uh, not in the lineup, four starters out of that game, and they ended up beating the Eastern Conference champions 125-118. That luck did run out against the Jazz, although the Clippers shorthanded again, put up a great fight, just kind of ran out of gas, and uh, Jazz, of course, on a, on a crazy roll right now, having won 19 out of 20. They kind of pushed away in the fourth quarter and ended the Clippers' four-game win streak. So uh, we'll see if the Clippers have Kawhi back in that rematch. They play the Jazz again on Friday, and then the Brooklyn Nets on Sunday. So big games that ordinarily could be some kind of measuring stick game, uh, but with a lot of the key guys missing, you can't really judge it as that. But at least the Clippers' reserves and young guys getting valuable minutes and seemingly doing well with them and playing well with them. So good sign there. But um, we ha- as we mentioned, Andrew Greif, the guest here on this week's show, talked to him just before the Jazz game last night. So uh, in this conversation, you'll hear kind of the lead up to more of the overall arching season talk of what's been going on with the Clippers. We, we get through a lot and talk about a lot. Of course, the injuries to, as we mentioned, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, 
um, some of the coaching aspect with, with Ty Lue and what he's done uh, and everything in between. Lou Williams, Pat Bev, everything you want to hear on the Clippers right here on the Bleed Podcast Network. So without further ado, here he is, Andrew Greif of the LA Times on the Bleed Podcast Network. All right, we're now joined by our guest here on the Believe in Clippers podcast. Returning to the show, it's Andrew Greif of the LA Times. Andrew, thanks so much for, for taking the time and coming on the show once again. Yeah, of course. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So it's been a, it's been a fun stretch here for the Clippers. They've been dealing with some injuries. That's obviously nothing new over the years, but maybe arguably the best win of the year against Miami the other night with four starters down. Uh, what have you seen from this team, uh, You know, whether they're with starters or not, uh, that has you know, impressed you in these past few weeks from the Clippers? Yeah, I think that they've played with the the grit that really hasn't been seen since that 2018-2019 season when they were eight, the eighth seed and they, you know, took, took a couple off of Golden State, number one Golden State in the playoffs. That team was so beloved. It was my first year on the, covering the beat. So obviously I remember it a certain way, but it seemed like people who'd been around for a long time um, also felt like that was a really special group because of how they fought hard-nosed. And that was the kind of team the Clippers wanted to get back to, honestly, when they hired Ty Lue. Uh, they decided to get, to dismiss Doc Rivers. Um, and I think you're seeing fruit of that the last few weeks. You know, they, they also beat Miami in Miami in late January without Paul George, without Kawhi Leonard, when they were in the health and safety protocols. And Ty Lue called that, at that point, a turning point win. And I, I just think that you're seeing a, a grittiness that um, the last year's team was trying to figure out, like, are we the great team? Are we the superstar laden team that can just, we have so many scores that we can just roll over people if we're giving it 75% effort. Um, and this team I feel like is getting a little bit back to, to that group that I was around for the first time. Yeah, and how much do you attribute that to, you mentioned Ty Lue, to the, to the coaching change. We know there's obviously some, some roster turnover as well, bringing in Serge Ibaka and Nick Batum and some of those guys, but how much of it is, is new, the new coaching staff and new philosophy or, uh, you know, how much is just the different personnel? Uh, both. I think that the, the coaching change, I think brought in, in, in Ty Lue, there's a real clear sense that players feel like they can relate to him because he's younger. Um, like he knows Marcus Morris, Marcus Morris has said this for, for several years. I'm not quite sure exactly what the point was where they met or connected over, but yeah, you know, long before he became Marcus's coach, Ty and Marcus had a, a pretty good you know relationship built on trust. It sounded like, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, um, same thing. I think that him winning the title with Cleveland, LeBron, like fully, he has bona fides that guys trust. Um, and he's just um, he's been talked about as being a great communicator. Um, that was something that was brought into play the other night when Marcus, again, not to bring back Marcus for the eighth time in this conversation, but he said that last year he felt like he was in sort of a no man's land where he didn't quite know what his goal was, even though he was the big trade deadline move. Um, he said this year, Ty's made it very clear what he wants from him. And so that's kind of just one little example of why I think there is more buy-in, um, from the, from the get-go. Um, obviously Ty is working with the advantage that people have last year's disappointment to, to, to fixate on to think about, you know, like people have a chip on their shoulder because of that. The last year's group didn't have that. They were trying to figure things out on the fly. Um, so there's a lot of motivation already coming into this year. So I think that you're seeing some of that. I mean, on the first day of training camp, you know, Pat Bev, Pat Beverly said that they were pissed off that they wanted to, they were, they're upset about the way last season ended. So you're seeing that, I would say that grittiness coming from, from that, maybe a little bit of embarrassment of just feeling like, 
that was, you know, they've been clowned on for several months in the off season. Every single move they made, it seemed like there was uh, people in their, you know, theoretical mentions. Yeah. Um, and also I think that Ty has, has brought um, a real clear sense of um, accountability to them. Yeah, no question about it. And, uh, you know, in the off season, I think, Clipper fans were happy about a lot of the moves, but nationally maybe didn't get a lot of attention with, with the off season. They did lose talented players in Montrezl Harrell and Jamichael Green, but uh, whether or not they lost talent in the exchange and getting Serge Ibaka and Batum and having a full year of Morris, it seems like the fit for this roster is better. And I think we've seen that reflected in, in how well they're shooting the ball, how well they're moving the ball. Is that something you've seen this year? Yeah, I think that Batum is a really sneaky piece um, because he was when he was signed it was kind of like well there's a lot of trust there um in his passing ability you know like there was probably not a whole lot of expectation that he would shoot as poorly as he did last year when it was a career low three yeah. point percentage um but even if his shot wasn't like 45 percent like it is now i think there's a lot of confidence that he could help other guys get open because of his passing like they don't have that quote-unquote here point guard on the roster but they have a guy who's 6'9", 6'10", who can whip it around in Nick Batum really well. Um, so I think that he's been one that um, really has looked better pretty much with every week. And his, and his scoring, you know, as, isn't like on a per-game basis, isn't as high as it was the first month, I'd say. But he's just really steady, and he's really unselfish, and he knows he's very self-aware. He said this so many times that he's at a point in his career where he wants to really, really win, and he doesn't want to – um, you know, have his last years in Charlotte. They were disappointing. He, the definition of, of how his career is going to end. So uh, you're seeing a guy who, again, is motivated and feels like this is this is closer to the player he can be. And then with with Serge Ibaka, I felt like um, I, I felt like when all, all the moves kind of happened, they let Trez walk and they brought in Serge. I thought that maybe they weren't as deep of a team as last year in terms of like nine, ten guys, but I thought their top seven, top eight were better. Um, I think factoring in Luke Kennard too, at least the, the projection of what we thought Luke Kennard could be. So, um, yeah, I think that, yeah, that there was some concern I saw on my end of in this COVID season, if you're losing bodies left and right because of protocols or, or the virus itself, like what's that going to mean for your depth? Do you need that 11th guy in this season more than ever? But I really feel like um, this team from, you know, from the top seven, eight um, has been strengthened. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And, and you mentioned Luke Kennard there. Uh, you look at the shooting percentages, it looks all good from there. Obviously, the coaching staff and the team has been on him to be more aggressive and shoot the ball. I think in that, you know, the Miami game, he knocked down a couple shots and looked a little bit better. But if there's anything you can pinpoint for maybe why he's not as aggressive, we know he basically missed a year of basketball. Uh, but but what's missing with, with Kennard, who the team obviously has made a pretty big investment in going forward with the extension that, that kicks in next year. Right. Uh, he, I think that he has, everyone has his back. It seems clear, um, you know, against Cleveland, he would start to one for five. And there's a play late in the second half where Lou Williams came down and he was kind of on a break, had Lou, uh, Luke open on a wing and he had, Lou had an open shot and he was red hot at that point, but he passed it to Kennard and he knocked down a shot. He knocked down another one right after that. And I felt like that was a sign that, yeah, the Clippers still have confidence in him. They're, they're willing to pass to him even when they could take their own open shot. Um, so I think it's really at this point, it's, it's down to Luke, um, really kind of showing that, that potential and turning it into a reality night after night, because, you know, on like a pure talent basis, I think he's, um, you know, one of like maybe the top four most talented guys, um, on that team, um, with what he can do. He's not just a shooter. He's a great distributor. Um, but you know, at a certain point, 
there's, there's a, turn, a corner that kind of has to be turned. And so I think people are waiting for that still. Ty Lue said the night too that by the way he played against Miami should give him confidence to really jumpstart his aggression to keep it going. Um, so that's uh, the injury thing has played a huge role into it. You know, two knees, he's rehabbing, rehabbing two knees, took a year. Um, there's timing issues, there's muscle memory. He felt really confident in that coming back, but I do feel like there's an element from talking to him for a story a couple weeks ago that, you know, you want to make sure that you're not, uh, that you're fitting into a roster of really talented shooters. You don't want to feel like you're taking someone else's shot. I think there's a bit of, of just making sure he fits in, even when guys are saying, no, you should take that shot. I think there's still a fitting in process that uh, maybe has gone on a little bit longer, but um, it seems like potentially he's turned a corner a bit with the last couple of, last couple of games he's played. Yeah, and, and going forward, uh, we know that Kawhi Leonard remains out for this upcoming game against the Jazz. It's it's obviously a an exciting stretch of games for the Clippers, two in a row against the Jazz, a, a rematch with the Nets, who they had a great game with a couple weeks back. Uh, we know Paul George is dealing with the, the bone edema issue, uh, injury. Um, you know, these games won't be the measuring sticks in that sense with, with, with those guys out. But uh, what do you see in these matchups and um, – any update on just the, the severity of, of those injuries for the two key guys in particular, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and when they may be expected back? You know, they, they play things pretty close to the vest with those two guys in particular with their injuries. Um, I, I, but Paul George was working out before the Cleveland game on Sunday. Um, wasn't moving even close to, I'd say, even half speed. He was mostly taking, like, set shots, uh, but he was making pretty much all of them. Um, but it was, a, I guess, a good sign that, you know, he felt comfortable putting on sneakers, getting out there on the court doing some physical activity. Um, so that's promising. And Kawhi Leonard also was upgraded to questionable, again, uh, promising uh, on just the, you know, being from out to possible. Um, so I, I don't know what their, what their status is in terms of when they could come back. Um, the Clippers tend to, to hold that stuff in. But I really do think that even without those guys, um, this is still a really telling stretch. You know, Ty, Ty and I, I asked him, you know, how much do you really gauge this when you're not at full strength as a litmus test for your for your team against a really good team like Utah? And he said he didn't really see it that way. And I understand that. But um, I think that if you can, um, you know, keep close with these guys, take a game of these next two against Utah with a thoroughly depleted roster, again, I think it just goes back to uh, building more confidence in this group that the habits they say they've been building really are paying off. Want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair that you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Yeah, and, and obviously not the, the most important thing in game 30 or whatever it is coming up, but, uh, you know, Utah right now sits in the one seed. We know the Clippers will be judged on what they do in the playoffs. They have two games in a row with Utah and have already dropped one. So is there any sense of, of urgency or 
knowing that from the any of the players or the coaches that you know might need to take one of these two if you want a real you know grasp on the one seed going forward later in the year I think that there's probably a sense that yeah the one seed is something that is that, that they do want in the long run because yeah. you think about the good teams that are in the west if you can avoid two of them <laughs> then that's that's a good thing you can have the Lakers and the Jazz potentially play each other in the Western Conference semifinals that's the that's the easier road taken uh, relatively speaking so I think there is yeah I'm sure that they would um they would want that one seat but uh, and that's what complicates this is because these are the only three matchups of the year for the Clippers and the Jazz and in terms of tiebreakers like you know you talk if to play two of those games against a team missing potentially two starters at least for each game so that's I think the unfortunate part from the Clippers perspective is they just feel like you know, we're not, we're not close to being physically right there. And yet this is really the only chance we have to, to figure out the tiebreaker situation. If it comes to that for the jazz, this is really their opportunity to build a buffer in the West, you know, because the Clippers are shorthanded because Anthony Davis is out for at least two weeks with the Lakers. They have a two game lead right now. They won 19 of 20. Um, you know, these teams will get better again. These teams will get healthier again, but in that interim, can they reel off another streak and really put some distance? That's going to be hard to, to for these teams to track them down in a shortened season. I think that's that's got to be the Jazz's um, thoughts going into this week. Yeah, and for the Clippers, you mentioned their depth, and I think one player everyone was curious to see, you know, what his role would be if he would get minutes at all is is Terrence Mann, who has kind of taken advantage of the minutes he's gotten. He's looked really good, obviously, with extent, you know, expanded minutes recently. Is there a real shot for him? Do you think to to kind of eke his way into a potential playoff rotation or get minutes in really meaningful games down the stretch? Yeah, I think that he's been excellent, you know, and he was a guy, one of those fringe guys where it seemed like early on um, he talked so much about how, how much of a priority getting a consistent jump shot was in the off season. He worked really hard at it, um, doing some training with Beyondu, Kevin Gale as well alongside. They worked with the same trainer. Um, it turns out that, you know, jump shot or no being like, super consistent he's still able to find ways to, to really feel like he's created a foothold in this rotation I look at him like a Reggie Jackson where the way he played oh, when Pat Beverly was hurt in late January uh, Ty Lue said we're gonna have to find a way to get him on the court even when Pat's back you know I kind of look at Terrence Mann the same way he's played well enough and he's been consistent enough that I think coaches probably will have to take a sort of a hard look at okay, do we expand this thing from eight to, to nine to 10 to, to find him consistent minutes? Um, I think he's, his calling card so far has been everything else uh, in terms of guarding the opponent's best player at times, rebounding, uh, finding easy bus baskets in transition. He's a really good downhill guy getting to the rim. So I, I've been really impressed because we, there were some like, you know, just some flashes here and there last year where you were like, really, really like his length. He comes from Florida State, a team known for its defense. Can that translate? And it, and it did, but there were just so few opportunities last year that it was hard to really make a long-term projection. Well, this year, he's on it, and he looks really good. Yeah, no, he looks great. And, you know, there's, there's so many players on the roster that you could go on and on about and, and how well they've stepped up in their own specific roles. And, uh, you know, someone who is, is always a key for the Clippers is Lou Williams. And, you know, he got off to a slow start this year. The hip issue might have been part of that. Uh, you know, whenever there's a trade rumor, his name comes up. And we know, I think for multiple reasons, obviously he's a great player, you know, on a good contract, uh, but someone who's a leader and in the locker room, someone who 
is loved in that locker room, who took less money to be with the team. Is there a sense that we know his name is going to come up, but it would have to be really kind of a blow away offer for the Clippers to even consider getting rid of Lou Williams in, in the next month before the trade deadline? Well, that, that backcourt is definitely an area that has been looked at um, as, you know, can, can they find upgrades? I think it's what it comes down to for me is can you find someone who will be better, a better fit for your playoff rotation? Because that's the number one goal. Lawrence Frank said that from the first day of training camp that basically all the moves are made with the idea of thinking about the playoffs. You know, can you, can you play off hard in your, your roster to the point where you feel really good? Do you trust his defense? Do you trust his shooting in the postseason? Neither have been super consistent with the Clippers um, in those settings. But he's playing so well right now. And like you said, it goes beyond just the way he plays. He is sort of a glue in that locker room. And Pat Beverly the same way. Yeah. Um, can you are you are you sh- are you so sure you're gonna get back something that's better? Um, and also I just wonder, you know, in terms of the the market for for Lou Williams, you know, in the preseason, we asked around my colleague Dan Wickey and I, who asked some executives, some scouts, and basically said, What what do you think about the market for Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams? And the results were kind of mixed, you know, and because for Lou, it was an expiring contract, really good player. Um, but again, is someone who, who's, what is someone really going to give up for a player who's now 34 years old? Um, you know, who's has a history of, of defense, not being his calling card, you know, like what's the appetite? Like, can you really get back something better than that? And I think that's, that's the question too. Um, so I'm not sold, so sold that there is some an obvious answer that, that they could get, um, you know, with, with the assets they have, they're, they're dealing with the hard cap. Um, this front office, I probably say this every time with people like as the caveat, they are extremely creative. They'll, they'll find a way if they need to, but, um, the way they're playing right now, him and Pat Beverly, I just find it, uh, I found it hard at the moment to think about guys who would be better fit for this team. Yeah. And, and one name that has kind of floated around social media this week, uh, whether realistic or not, uh, of course, the news that, that Blake Griffin will likely be traded by the Pistons. We know that he was a longtime Clipper, uh, doesn't really seem to be a fit on this roster. And obviously it would have to be some kind of buyout situation, but um, would there be any appetite for something like that for either party with Griffin, who probably wouldn't play a lot on this team or the Clippers to you know bring in a big, personality star uh, into this group that's playing so well yeah I I look at I don't know if they need more scoring I mean you can never have enough scoring but um, especially as the playoffs proved last year where they had all these guys it's very deep roster and they couldn't score for long stretches and they cost them so maybe I'm wrong in saying you you can never have enough scoring but um, you know I just don't know if his defense is quite where it needs to be Um, I I don't know frankly and I don't know Blake if I never covered him but just you know in hindsight, looking back at the trade and how he has said it's kind of since where he felt blindsided by the yeah. trade, you know, how much trust is really there would, would be there for him to really come back and feel like he can, um, you know, e- even if it's a short-term arrangement and you know that going ahead, going into it, how much tr- trust is there really uh, between him and the Clippers front office uh, after trading him? So I don't really see it as a, as a slam dunk fit, but um, again, I, I've, I've learned not to say never in the NBA, but uh, I guess I don't I don't quite see it either. Yeah, no, it seems seems a little far fetched, but I know obviously there's a still a soft spot in a lot of Clipper fans' hearts for for Blake. Uh, we know one thing that's been uh, fun over the past week, and especially the last game, of course, was Amir Coffee having a great game, and what comes with that is 
Brian Siemens coffee puns. Um, are there any that are your favorite and do you have any coffee puns that you want to add to the mix uh, to, to throw in there and, and maybe feed off to Brian for, for some more? No, that's like, that's like inviting uh, an amateur boxer into the ring <laughs> to compete with like the world heavyweight champion. Brian is so good at this stuff that whatever I would bring up, it would be so, so bad. I don't even want to compared. Um, he's, I like just the way he like, like Amir said today that he, his mother likes when Seaman calls him the brewmaster. <laughs> um, but I think it's really the special things that are like the way Seaman uh, laces his commentary with, you know, coffee related puns, like he's filling up the cup or, yeah. you know, he's really grinding uh, just, just great, like coffee related, you know, side references that I think are the, are my main takeaway. He's great with like, you know, the brewmaster stuff, the barista, but it's really about, you know, he's, he's, you know, coffee's brewing up a nice game or you know, insert your coffee pun here. But the way he, he's kind of subtly places them in, in, in his game calls, which I, is not easy. You're thinking on the fly. Uh, that's the part that I think separates Brian from the rest. That's yeah, a, it's a whole nother level of preparation beyond, of course, just calling an NBA game. But uh, yeah, throwing a coffee puns on, you know, off on a whim has been uh, has been pretty impressive and just has added to, to the fun of this team playing really well. Totally. Uh, before we let you go, we know that, you know, th for this team to go far, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George will have to be a huge part of it to this point when they've been on the floor. They've both been outstanding, will almost certainly both be all-stars, uh, whether that game should happen or not. But, uh, you know, the, the MVP conversation, do you think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Kawhi Leonard being kind of left out on the side when he should be in that. Uh, do you think that that matters at all to him or uh, he'll end up in that top three, top four group uh, by the time the season's over. Yeah, that's actually something I was actually wanting to ask Marcus Morris one of these recent nights, whether he feels like Marcus Morris, whether he feels like Kawhi or even the rest of the locker room really cares yeah. what Kawhi's mentioned this year in that discussion. Um, I don't I don't think that he's in the top two, but I think he's in that next tier down, um, you know, from maybe that LeBron or Jokic or Embiid group that people seem to like the most. Um, I think he's in that conversation, definitely. Because Paul George has had an excellent year, and I, I just think that Kawhi, the way he's playing back-to-backs, or at least the ones where he's healthy too, um, that's kind of a big step forward. I think you're seeing increased comfort from everybody involved with him in the mix and where he fits in, where everyone fits in around him. Uh, I think that's showing through in his play. And the numbers are just are you know career highs in a lot of different categories um you're seeing i think last year there was so much talk about wow he's such a capable distributor but you're really seeing that take an even larger leap this year so um i i, I do think he's firmly should he, sh he firmly should be in that next tier down conversation and i and at the end of the year i could absolutely see him working into a, a top three kind of situation yeah well obviously as we said as we know with the with the clippers and really any franchise that that wants to be a contender at all It'll all break down to what happens in the postseason, as we saw last year. So hopefully health and everything is, is ready for that. And hopefully we can uh, catch up with you again closer to the playoffs and see, uh, see where the Clippers stand uh, in a couple of months. Definitely. No, I appreciate it. I'd love to take stock of everything I'm wrong about in a couple of months when I, when I come back on. Well, we appreciate your time. As always, you know, you have to head off to Staples Center. But, Andrew, uh, thanks again for coming on the show. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. No, thank you so much for having me on. Well, big thanks again to Andrew Greif for coming on the show. Does such a great job uh, with his writing for the LA Times and covering the Clippers. So be sure to check that out and follow him on Twitter at Andrew Greif. Uh, and as we move forward, we've said a couple of big games upcoming 
for the Clippers this weekend and a rematch with the Jazz than that game against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, likely that Paul George will not be back for either of those, but hopefully Kawhi Leonard uh, can get back in the lineup and uh, maybe, you know, Luke Kennard, of course, was a late scratch against the Jazz in the first matchup, so getting him back and Nick Batum from his concussion protocols. Uh, you know, obviously key players for the Clippers they've been missing. They've been making up for it, rolling along nonetheless, but important uh, in the future, especially when they go up against some of these top-tier teams and opponents to get those guys back. So we'll see if that can happen. Uh, but as we said, we got great stuff upcoming here on the Believe Podcast Network. Alex will be back in the next episode along with uh, a couple of other fun guests. Uh, and we got good stuff. Other guests lined up as well. So a lot to come here in the Believe Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. We're also available wherever else you get your podca- podcasts, including Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart, Stitcher, whatever you need, we're there. So be sure to check that out. Follow along on Twitter with myself and Alex. And also follow along the show, Believe.com. Hundreds of shows on the platform. So be sure to check that out. Uh, With all that said, that is going to do it for this week's edition. So thank you for tuning in on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Clips. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.